This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 191 and you've just got me today. I'm actually going to be talking about the search for a house or apartment in Sydney and some of the things that I'm finding and my hope is that what I take you through on this show and then some of the tips for how I am inspecting houses and apartments are going to help you anytime you are trying to identify whether your building has water damage or a prospective place to live has water damage or high humidity and uh, some of the tools, tips, tricks that you can use to either avoid or identify um, when you might need to actually either say no to buying or renting a place or getting a building biologist in and saying, you know what, I think we've got a problem. Uh, As many of you know, I am extremely passionate about this topic, having developed chronic inflammatory response syndrome due to living in a water damaged apartment for eight, well, actually nine years, if you count the even more water damaged one that we knew about uh, the year before that. So for nine years and what started off as just feeling like it could be put down to being a busy working parent or a woman with hormones, everything from brain fog to uh, um, thyroid issues and uh, persistent weight gain and very, very uh, resistant weight loss, uh, <laughs> translated to completely impossible weight loss uh, over years and years and cleaning everything up to the point where there was nothing left to clean up and I was happy and chilled and meditating and eating great organic food and spending a lot of time in nature and completely low-tox and yet my health was getting worse. And there is a basket of us in this category. And that is when we need to identify potential issues either in our environment or in our own personal biology that we just haven't uncovered yet. And for me, that was mold, uh, which of course then made me dive deeper into my own biology, have a look at my epigenetics, genetics, and Uh, and realize that is absolutely what the problem was. And I have been getting better and better ever since I am very happy to say, but things got quite scary about four, three, four years ago. And, uh, and it was at the kind of point where, uh, there were so many symptoms and it was so full on that I genuinely feared I was never going to feel well again in my life. Uh, So that's what was the product of what we call an inflammatory cascade or um, an inflammatory storm that occurred uh, when basically the straw breaks the camel's back. And for me, that was undergoing a general anaesthetic. It just tipped my, uh, my whole system into (laughs) some sort of freakish overdrive. But thanks to incredible doctors and practitioners that I've worked with over the past few years, 
who refuse to believe that mold illness is something in people's heads, as unfortunately a lot of people with mold illness or chronic inflammatory response syndrome, as it's more technically referred to, uh, get referred to psychologists and psychiatrists um, because uh, it isn't a recognisable, treatable disease. And I think it'd be much better to start listening to more patient symptoms and start figuring out how we can treat them better. Uh, It's a very expensive thing to work on because you are entirely on your own money in this because there is no recognition for this illness. So I'm very passionate about this topic, very passionate about raising awareness to help people see whether that might be them. And I remember when I did my book tour a couple of years ago, which, hello, how is Lotox Life, my book, two years old now? It's this week, it turns to. Uh, I had people falling into my arms in tears saying, honestly, unless you had shared that, I think I might have died. Think crazy, crazy stories of people who had been so unwell for so long and finally figured out the root of their illness. And, uh, And while I'm sorry I had to be some sort of a sacrificial guinea pig to help raise awareness on this topic, I am grateful to be able to be of service to so many people in this area while we all try to figure out how best to move forward. Because to be honest, our doctors who help us work through these things, our practitioners are also still trying to figure out the best way to move people through to a better place in their health uh, because there's very little research on mould and mycotoxins and um, and until there is more research, there will be an element of stabbing around in the dark while we figure out the best course of action. Uh, and because it's a multi-system inflammatory disease, it affects different people in different ways. Uh, and then when you look at people's biology, uh, you may need to treat in different ways because of what that person can and can't tolerate in the healing process. So very, very complex stuff. But I want to point you to shows number 55 with the wonderful Sandeep Gupta, uh, where we actually talked about what SIRS is, how people get it, how it's different to an allergic response to mould and mycotoxins and uh, some of the sort of treatments that are really starting to work for people. And I actually have a link to Sandeep's excellent uh, Mold Illness Made Easy e-course. If you ever thought you were going to take a course with a name like that, I didn't, but I did it. (laughs) And it was very, very helpful. Uh, So I have all these details in the show notes for you guys today. Um, Then I have show number 77 that I did two and a half years ago when we finally moved from that horrible, horrible water damage situation uh, once it became so painfully obvious that that's what it was. Uh, And I teach you what I did, what I found online to help clean the things and decide what we could take, uh, treat uh, anything that we were bringing and what uh, products I used. And uh, I'm very happy to say we moved healthy. We did not bring anything across that continued to endanger my health, Uh, but we did have to leave a whole bunch of stuff behind. Um, And so show number 77 speaks to that completely. And then fast forward to late last year where I had the wonderful Dr. Anne Shippey on the show, show number 169, talking about mold illness and SERS protocols, treatment protocols and healing. 
and uh, it's something she's been through herself uh, and one of the reasons she started to deep dive into the research, what we did know, what we needed to know still and how to help her patients in clinic uh, more effectively. So there have been three shows already on the generalised sort of, you know, moving from mould, what to take, what to keep, how to clean what you're keeping and mould illness itself and today I'm really just going to talk about my experience uh, shopping around for a new place to live. Uh, we um, moved down to the country when COVID-19 happened because we had the great fortune of having parents who lived down there. Uh, but school went back really early, not in term three. And so we found ourselves having to move back up to Sydney super fast, which meant uh, we found a great, dry, cosy Airbnb to hang out in, which we are still in, by the way, because I, I ain't moving into no water-damaged house. And uh, and so I thought it would actually be quite cool to do a solo show on the topic of actually looking for a place, what I'm seeing. Some of you have been following on Instagram stories. Uh, please go check it out. I've saved a whole bunch of things to the home button on the um, highlights that you can watch back and um, and talk you through some of the things to look for yourself in your own house if you think this might be an issue for you. Uh, I just think it's a great life skill to know how to identify water damage and excess humidity. Uh, I will never not have that skill now and it will keep us from moving into places that will make us unwell. My son has also suffered uh, much more mildly than me thanks to having his dad's um, un <laughs> unpenetrable genes in the mix. Uh, mine a little bit more... Um, uh, a little bit less resilient, shall we say. And so that just means people like us need more TLC. So I hope you enjoy the show today. I also have in the show notes a link to uh, a huge post that I wrote a couple of years ago chronicling just how, in retrospect, mould illness and SERS looks uh, for a person uh, and often they're not that sick in their, teen, in their childhood and teen years but there's a few little clues that they might have a propensity to develop more and more symptoms as they get older and then these things uh, happen in, in the environment uh, or in a workplace, for example, as well. It's not just where you live. It's anywhere you spend significant amounts of time or go regularly. As I discovered earlier this year, dropping off my son to the train station and starting to shop at that train station um, just for, you know, they had a good uh, grass-fed butcher there, they had uh, a health shop, so I would sometimes grab a couple of things or my organic butter from Aldi, a couple of uh, things in that centre and started to develop symptoms again quite badly and realised, of course, it was a putrid uh, and very, very contaminated uh, commercial air conditioning system that looks like it had honestly never, ever been cleaned. Uh, and I did a post on that on Instagram a few months back. Look out for the sh the, the picture of me wearing my, my mould filtering mask, um, my 3M heavy-duty mask in the shopping centre so that I didn't get symptoms once I realised that's what it was. Um, but uh, there's, there's a lot of work to do with mould illness awareness. Uh, there's a lot of work to do with air conditioning and starting to somehow hold um, property owners and uh, commercial property owners uh, accountable for six monthly cleans so that we always have a proper clean um, system without mould in it. And I'm not just talking about cleaning the little centimetre around the outside that everyone can see. 
uh, there is a very specific way to clean air conditioning systems, either split systems or um, uh, the ones that go, oh, gosh, now I've, I've got reverse cycle air conditioning. Uh, so it's um, it's a big, big task, but hopefully with this gradual awareness raising, we get more and more people in our mould-busting army and then uh, I, I have some plans to start to do more to advocate for this and, I mean, imagine if we could actually have people have to get their air conditioning systems clean every six months. Um, And that is just the cost of owning property. Uh, I know that would uh, be an additional cost for some people who are really tight on cash at a time like this. I'm not trying to trigger anybody who does own a property and no one is the bad guy here. But until we identify how important indoor air being clean is, um, we're never going to realise that cleaning our air conditioning systems should be part of the cost of owning a property and that we should allow for that. And perhaps in uh, keeping those properties clean, kind of like servicing your fire alarm, you should then be able to claim a tax deduction for being someone who keeps on top of that and submits that they have done that work and that's how much that cost and uh, all that sort of jazz. So um, stay tuned because I will be sharing a lot about this subject over the years. I definitely want to make sure we don't just talk about it and whinge about it, but something actually changes. So before I tell you a little bit more about my my interesting escapades in looking for a new place to live, I want to remind you that you have another few days to make the most of the Killer Pillar offer. Now, for those of you who haven't heard of Killer Pillar, it's Australia's only all-natural, organic and spinally correct pillow. Uh, a lot There are a few brands of spinally correct pillows uh, that are chiropractor endorsed, but they're usually made of uh, memory foam or synthetic or blended latex. Uh, and uh, this one is created by Dr. Todd Gignac, a chiropractor, and his wife, Carolina, and such a great team. Carolina worked on the materials and the ethics of the production of the pillow, and Dr. Todd uh, obviously worked on the spinal correction. Uh, and what we have found, uh, what I have certainly found in sleeping on this pillow, is that uh, your nervous system actually gets a really good break overnight. It might feel weird uh, because basically your head is on the mattress, but you have all this wonderful cotton and wool support in the neck so that um, your curvature is protected. And then when you roll on your side, both sides of the mattress uh, both sides of the um, pillow have beautiful organic wool stuffing, untreated, uh, and so you get that height when you're on your side, but you get that drop back to the mattress when you're on your back. Uh, it's actually quite incredible and it's very different, but I urge anyone who has that regular trip to the chiropractor, always having to go see the osteopath or the physio or something for back pain, 
Maybe it's your pillow and it could well be worth giving this a shot. They've also designed a pillow for kids. I have just received mine. I'm excited to get my son to try it out today. Literally just picked it up from the post and it's specifically designed for tweens. So that eight to 12 year old bracket and it's a smaller version of the adult killer pillar. So it also has the zippered neck pouch and the special little inserts that people can customize uh, just like for their mum and dads. But um, it is uh, just a little smaller all round, basically, and more appropriate for um, a child's frame. I, uh, I'm very excited about this and we get this fabulous offer from them a couple of times a year now and I just want to get to the point where I can give it to you. Here we go. Low Tox June 15. That's 15% off and free shipping Australia-wide. You can head to kiwlapiwla.com.au. That's killerpillar.com.au. Um, go check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, scientifically proven when you start to reduce and eliminate stresses on the body and you start to calm that nervous system down when we're getting our sleep, it means we get better sleep. And then, of course, the flow on effect of better sleep is energy levels improve, immune function improves, hormone regulation happens, digestion improves, posture improves. We're then able to lose weight better, memory improves, libido improves, brain function improves, metabolism improves, detoxification improves, cell growth, healing and repair is more able to happen. Hello, who doesn't want to do that by improving their sleep uh, and really getting into deep, deep, good sleep on a nightly basis. So enjoy that special offer. That's Lotox June 15, 15% off. Now let's continue talking about these uh, house visits. I have my little list here. You're going to hear that sheet of paper come out. So uh, a couple of things I want to mention about things that I've seen that have let us know uh, that that is absolutely not going to be a place that we move into. We've checked out probably about 25 properties now and 20 of them have been obviously water damaged. Uh, So a lot of this speaks to the lack of awareness of how important it is to get to the bottom of leaks and fix things as they come up rather than put it off, put it off, paint over it, let it, you know, just scrape off the bubbles and paint over it again. It's too expensive. It will become so much more expensive later, property owners. So it might seem like a good quick fix and our culture is very much quick fix motivated, but Trust me when I say mold remediation uh, from severely water damaged buildings costs thousands and thousands of dollars. I've heard of people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on this. So much better to spend a couple of grand with some seriously good plumbing, a great tradie who really knows what they're doing early on in the piece when the first thing happens, renting a commercial dehumidifier if you get a roof leak uh, from um, heavy rains and uh, making sure your building's dry while you carry out the repairs, much better to do that than to have huge costs down the track, right? So uh, I'm going to take you on a visual daydream journey to this stunning apartment. We were like, oh, that kitchen, it was so pretty. And, uh, and it had this beautiful kind of mint 
green decor in the kitchen with a gorgeous splashback and I thought, oh, I could record amazing videos in here and uh, for my community and I was all excited and had a lovely big balcony that you could comfortably seat friends and family to have, uh, you know, a beautiful summer lunch. Uh, and you know, the living space was, you know, good enough size and the bedrooms were a good enough size. But, uh, then I started testing the walls and I used, uh, I use a good quality pinless moisture meter, uh, and, uh, there are pinned and pinless moisture meters and there's tons of information online as to which one you might choose for which situation. And I've popped a couple of links in the show notes for you. Uh, but, uh, this is by no means a building biologist grade tool. It's only the one I've got is only about three or $400, which is still a lot of cash, but the one that the professionals use, um, you know, they cost thousands to get themselves kitted out to carry out, um, tests on, you know, being able to literally program a, a specific building material that they're testing the moisture in the wall for, such as, and even being able to go down to different types of wood. So you can get some really uh, crazy, crazy specific uh, testing tools. Uh, but I just use one that gives me a general idea. And then I use visual cues uh, and a hygrometer for um, atmospheric humidity in the in the place to kind of back up my assumptions um, if the moisture meter gives me a bit of a clue that there's wet. But essentially you hold a moisture meter up to your building material and it'll tell you, my one tells me dry, risk or wet, and it actually states the exact um, percentage of moisture in that wall um, right down to the point, point like to the uh, hundredth. Um, of a decimal. So it's pretty specific. Uh, and the only thing you don't use it on is um, materials like uh, concrete, like pure concrete or marble, um, because you get inaccurate readings and everything's wet. <laughs> okay. So it's uh, really great for brick, drywalls, um, splashbacks and things like that. You'll get a really great um, clue as to whether, uh, and, and floorboards as well, as to whether there are any issues. So I start testing the walls and I go through all the rooms and everything so far is testing dry and I'm so excited. And then I get to the third bedroom and I always test the top of the wall, the ceiling, middle of the wall and the base of the wall where the wall meets the ground. Um, And that's especially important in a ground floor apartment or townhouse or obviously a home where you do have a ground floor um, because you can start to see whether there might be any clues about rising damp. And it tested really uh, wet. I was like, oh, you're kidding me. Last bedroom. You've got to be joking. And it was a bedroom that looked that um, you could open up a a glass door and then head out onto a patio. And um, so I looked at the full extent of the wall and I noticed, and this had been freshly renovated. They have obviously spent at least a quarter of a million dollars renovating this apartment. It was absolutely beautiful. The bathrooms, the kitchen, really, really lovely. And, uh, and then I see bubbling paint right at the bottom where the bottom of the wall meets the floor, uh, meets the skirting board rather, and on the other side of the wall that I had tested. So I kind of followed it along and I saw the bubbling paint. I was like, what 
the this is a brand new renovation this was one month ago that it was painted and I, I saw bubbling paint that is a huge red flag I mean sure in a big storm it's been raining or you know maybe you painted 10 years ago and then there's a storm and there might be some bubbling paint but one month you know that there is water damage um, and at the base of the wall I went out onto the patio and sure enough, found that one of the drains uh, looked like it had been replaced and a new drain had been put in. But if you looked at the the ceiling, as in the plaster ceiling of the tiles on the patio, they looked completely waterlogged and water damaged. Uh, and you could see that there was a massive drainage issue on this ground floor apartment. So that was a big fat no. So my tip there is to not be fooled by freshly painted as a selling point and think, oh, this is great because often freshly painted can be code for trying to cover something bad up. So that is when obviously having the backup of a moisture meter is going to help you uh, or an, a hygrometer, which gives you the atmospheric humidity so you can get a bit of a red flag if it's like, if you're in Sydney and it's above 80%, then that's a red flag. Uh, usually then, you know, um, under 80%, that's actually quite common on the East Coast. There can be quite a bit of humidity, um, but you can control that kind of thing with dehumidifiers if you uh, don't have any water damage. There's no actual structural issue to the building. So anyway, that one was a big fat no once we saw that issue. Another one, beautiful, stunning renovation. And I walked in, I'm like, can I, is that really musty? It doesn't smell like mold in here. And the laundry was right near the entrance. And I had a quick look in the laundry and there was no exhaust in the laundry. There was no fan. There was no extraction. So imagine if day after day you're doing a wash and a dry, you've got a couple of kids in the mix. And so there's a lot of laundry happening. Uh, pretty quickly, your uh, walls would start to get pretty humid and uh, you might get issues with mould. And so there was just this musty leftover smell. So even though everything had been freshly painted, beautifully renovated, I could smell entrenched mustiness in this brand new apartment, which was such a shame uh, because it was a great location. Again, the walls tend to be dry, especially through the bedrooms. Uh, but again, it was a big fat no, because your nose should be a really good cue. And if there's a smell of mold, then there's definitely mold somewhere there, whether you can see it or not. Um, another place that we visited, uh, I was really excited because it was an apartment and there was a tennis court on the block and, uh, we are huge tennis fans in this family. So the idea of being able to play tennis for free whenever we wanted was pretty enticing, but I do not let my emotions for my favorite sport get in the way of a good inspection. And I started to look around, uh, and I noticed that there was a black, blackened floorboard and the blackened floorboard was right next to a wall on the ground, obviously. And so I looked behind that wall at what was on the other side and it was the kitchen sink. So that is a clue that uh, mould has been able to grow into this wood 
because of a leak that is continuing to produce water and continuing to run down the back of the kitchen sink. So that whole wall could be potentially contaminated. And then when I tested both the floor right on that spot and the wall itself, they both registered as completely wet, not even risk, not even remotely dry. They were wet. So that was a big fat no. So my tip there is to look at floorboards, look for any discoloration and blackening. uh, And often, especially with wooden bench tops as well, you're going to see if there's been a leak and they haven't regularly uh, sealed the around the sink and, and siliconed it, then you're going to be potentially experiencing water damage there as well. Uh, okay, so another one that we visited was um, was nice, but again, there was bubbling paint all down one wall, nowhere else. And I was like, where's that coming from? So I looked around the other side of that wall and it was one of the bathrooms. So obviously leaking taps, leaking uh, pipes uh, behind the walls. And uh, it's really important to check in with a builder or a, um, a plumber about how well sealed your bathrooms are and to get that done, redone every few years. Uh, if um, if you own a property, because it doesn't just last forever, that kind of work. It's something that requires maintenance. Um, and there are some really great articles on that written by qualified building biologists online. And uh, if this isn't already getting you to think that you might want to hire a building biologist, uh, if you're a property owner, uh, then I don't know <laughs> what will. <laughs> um, so other things, what have we found? One place my son and I went to, we thought, wow, four bedroom house for, gosh, that's really inexpensive. But you know, you never know it's worth, it's much better to visit and know for sure that it was a shocker. We walk in behind the real estate agent. We were the first ones in And uh, we got as far as looking up into the entrance ceiling and seeing a whole bunch of peeling paint on the ceiling. And then we looked into the first bedroom and we actually saw black mould on the ceiling, just right there proliferating. And The, the real estate agent had walked really fast to the other side of the house already and Seb and I turned around we went, thank you, we're done, bye. <laughs> and I wrote her a note. I've written a note to every single one explaining what the water damage was. Haven't received a single note back, might I add, but I really think that if more of us start to write in about this kind of stuff and say, we're not taking this property and this is exactly why, people are going to start to realise that this is a big drawback if they can't get their clients, the property owners uh, or investors to uh, maintain the properties properly. And then the property owners are going to think, gosh, everyone's really concerned about water damage. I've got to get this more on my radar. I have to understand more about it and make sure my property isn't water damaged so that we can lease it out much faster and not have it empty for so long with all these people saying, no, I'm not going to move here. It's water damaged. So that is my hope that we all just raise awareness and start to realize this is a really important thing to work on. Uh, And then the last one I want to tell you about is uh, a really similar situation where there were 
risky wall, risky and, and going up into nearly wet, so in the high 50s, and uh, they were coming up risk and it was always down the bottom and always towards the extremities of the house. So the inside walls were fine, but the outside parts of the house inner walls weren't fine and were showing um, risk. And so then I looked to the outside and you could see that the mortar between the bricks was completely discoloured and stained compared to higher up on the wall. And that's a really good clue that there's rising damp. So that's my tip there. If you get risk around the bottom of the walls and that other side of that wall is the exterior of the building, uh, then you could be dealing with water damage from rising damp and that means uh, that there's some there's either a drainage problem so the the property isn't getting enough drainage um, and so water when it rains is sticking around around the outside and wetting the building uh, eventually causing water damage or it could be that the um, foundations of the house haven't properly been sealed and Uh, I'm sure there are a million people who could explain the technical aspect of that better than I could, but these are just to give you some clues uh, and to then send you to the show notes with a whole bunch of additional resources and actually have a fantastic guest coming up for us on the show to talk through some of the more technical aspects of spotting, uh, treating and uh, healing from water damage uh, just next week on the show actually, so stay tuned. But those are my top tips. Now, I want to give you some tips as well around uh, checking for humidity. So um, humidity inside can tell you whether there, it can give you a clue as to whether there is a systemic water damage issue that's just causing a lot of excess humidity. Uh, It's really useful to know what the humidity is generally um, in terms of like if you look at your uh, weather app and it tells you how humid it is in your city that day, let's just say it tells you that it's 55% humidity outside in Sydney, but you're visiting a house and it shows 90% humidity, then there's a discrepancy there and you know that that home is holding on to atmospheric moisture more than the outside. So you have a couple of things you can do. You can obviously start to create more circulation, more airflow, and I actually have some tips about that in my book, Low Tox Life. A little plug there. (laughs) Uh, Or you can actually uh, get some dehumidifiers. I find them to be an excellent investment um, in some of the more humid cities. Um, and, uh, and then, but rather than just buying a hygrometer from, um, Bunnings, which of course you can do, and it doesn't cost much money. I wanted to share this hack that I found online, which lets you test for humidity in a house or excess humidity in a house using ice cubes. So check this out. You take four ice cubes and a glass of water And you plunk the ice cubes into the glass of water and set the glass in a room where you believe that the moisture level may be too low or too high. Just don't place the glass in a bathroom or kitchen where the moisture levels are not the same from time to time. But place the ice cubes and water on the table in the room, exit the room so there's not too much movement, um, which can apparently uh, impact the outcome. And you leave the water and the cubes in the room for about five minutes inspect the glass after five minutes. If condensation has formed on the outside of the glass, the moisture level in that room is high. 
to absorb that excess moisture, then you might want to consider adding plants or um, uh, or uh, dehumidifier. Obviously, that's my favourite tool. Um, but if the glass shows no sign of condensation, then it might be really, really dry and you might actually live in a very dry uh, area and then you might actually have a child that needs a humidifier. So there's always two different people. Um, uh, eczema can co- can be caused by excess dryness in the air, headaches. So, you know, you don't want, it's kind of a bit Goldilocks, isn't it? You don't want it too humid and too dry, but I loved that ice cube hack. Um, but if you're like me and you just want a quick, accurate reading, grabbing a hygrometer is a great tool to have. And you can actually get one. Um, I'm sure Home Depot over in the States will have a really good option. You can get uh, a Holman thermometer slash hygrometer and they're 33 bucks at Bunnings here in Australia. So a very good thing if you're wanting to test the atmospheric humidity. Uh, if you have uh, a dehumidifier, however, it'll tell you on a daily basis how humid your air is. Uh, I know my bedroom right now is 54%. <laughs> so um, that is uh, that is also a very useful tool um, to help you. So uh, I mentioned for the moisture meters, there's pinless and pinned, uh, and I've popped a couple of great blogs that people have done to help you decide on which one's going to be best for you doing your um, in detective work in uh, your home or prospective home. Uh, but I also wanted to just share a few official things that you can do to um check a place when you're going through that I might not have already covered. So I talked about being alert to musty odours, obviously, um, but I think on top of that, this one place we visited that I forgot to mention just before uh, was built into the side of a hill. So ground level was kind of where um, the garage and living areas were, but then the bedrooms were actually inside the side of it, like dug into the side of a hill basically to be built. And so if you then think about heavy rain coming down the hill, uh, you would definitely get much higher chance of uh, high humidity and water damage in those ground uh, underground bedrooms. Um, they, so they don't look underground because of the way the, the um, hill has been dug into and you can look out of them and there's windows, etc but they're technically under the level of where the water would run. And so that's going to give you a much higher um, water damage prone situation. And in that particular house, there was a storage cage that was inside, like in the back of one of the bedrooms. Uh, And Ollie walked into that one because he doesn't get affected by mould. So he's my, he's my guinea pig if we're a bit worried. Uh, we send him in before I go in. And, uh, and sure enough, there was just mould all through this uh, storage cage uh, in, in that un- technically underground uh, situation. So that was a big fat no, even though it was an absolutely beautiful place, great value, great location. Uh, I just did not want um, to live in uh, a place that had that had been built into the side of a hill. Uh, and then one thing we did find there actually was that the ceiling was measuring wet and uh, above that ceiling was the laundry. So there was obviously a leak going down into, um, into that. So measuring walls on the other sides of laundries and bathrooms, anywhere that there's plumbing, is a really great way to... 
uh, eliminate um, the likelihood of moving somewhere water damaged. Um, okay. So what else do I want to tell you? There's so many tips there. Take a close look at the ceilings. Obviously we've talked about peeling paint and bubbling paint and actual visible mold, but I didn't talk about stains. So when it rains, if there's a leaky roof, uh, your plaster and your ceiling might stain a little bit. And that's a really great clue if you can see any of those water stains. Uh, to It lets you know that either there's a roof issue and it hasn't been fixed or there's a current roof issue. There was a roof issue and it was fixed, but they haven't painted over it. So if you're going to be buying somewhere, then you definitely want to make sure that you um, know exactly what it is you're buying and check out the roof as well. Uh, I think a great question to ask is when was the last time the roof was replaced or repaired, especially if you're looking at uh, one of the cities that tends to have quite a few older homes uh, from uh, the Art Deco period, Federation, Victorian. Um, It's really, really important to ask about the roof and um, to see if there's a, a report from a roofer. Ah, so many things. Hopefully I'm not stressing you guys out. My real purpose here is for all of us to become more literate about water damage um, and excess humidity so that we can reduce humidity inside, increase airflow uh, and improve the maintenance of properties as well as the building of of properties by knowing more about this stuff. Uh, One of my coaching clients just yesterday was, we were talking and uh, she was, uh, she's at the point of knocking down their place because of so much um, mold and illness in their family. So they're going to do a knockdown rebuild. And I urged her to get a building biologist to that meeting with the architect and the builder so that we can have them design the kind of house that is not going to have any corners cut when it comes to preventing water damage in the future for them. So, so easy to do at the very original stage and to ensure that your builder and all of the staff that will be working on your property build are on board and understand the importance of that for your family. Um, So uh, I obviously mentioned paying attention to wood flooring and staining, but I didn't talk about buckling or warping or cracks or delamination. These could all be signs that the floor has been saturated at some point. Um, So that's a really great visual thing to look for. Another great thing to do that I didn't mention and definitely caught a couple of properties doing this is opening cabinets uh, and built-in wardrobes and looking inside for any stains, yellow spotting or discoloration. These are usually signs of some sort of leak somewhere. Um, Another thing to look for is to look at the solidity of the flooring around baths, showers, dishwashers, washing machines. If it feels a bit spongy, saggy, or if you see a little bit of water um, or staining, then it'll let you know that there might be an issue with the subfloor, um, with the way it was sealed. Uh, Then uh, that is a big clue as well. Obviously, if uh, one of the... um, aspects of your property includes an attic or something that you can take a ladder up into and take a look around, then looking around inside that space 
uh, seeing if you can see any cracks in tiles um, with light shining through, uh, look at the insulation for possible mould and just have a, a, a bit of a sniff around there. Um, this could uh, give you some visual or, or smell clues that there might be an issue. Um, and then, of course, if you're looking at a home that's on ground level, Looking around, it's great to inspect a property a couple of days after it's rained because if there is still puddling or um, any kind of uh, wetness, water pooling around anywhere a couple of days, good days after it's rained and it's now sunny, then you know that there could be potentially an issue. Um, so that's another one to look for. So that is all I'm going to take you through today. There's plenty to uh, think about and know about there. But really, hopefully this show is an exercise in all of us doing our due diligence when we're looking at our own properties uh, that we're living in, whether we own them or rent them, to see what the state and condition of our property is, to be able to identify water damage better, to be able to identify excess humidity inside and start to build some strategies around dehumidifying and getting some better airflow happening in the property. Uh, and hopefully also thinking about when the last time you serviced your air conditioner or air conditioning system and having a think about starting to build into place in the diary, setting an alarm or booking someone of subscription that twice a year someone comes and cleans that thoroughly for you so that air conditioning units don't build up with mould on the inside from the condensation that occurs naturally over time from running an air conditioner and then starting to spit out mould into the home. And so all it'll take then is for a bit of excess humidity inside uh, because you might live in a humid area for you to then have mould starting to grow um, and proliferate. So uh, I want to uh, thank you for tuning in <laughs> to this uh, show I want to remind you that shows 55 and 169 are both health-focused shows with doctors talking about mould illness, SIRS, potential treatments and protocols. Uh, and then show 77 was the show I did on Moving House. And in the show notes for all of those shows are a whole bunch of extra resources as well if you feel like this is an issue for you or anyone you know. And the way you might spot mold illness is that person who doesn't seem to get better, no matter how well they do at everything, doing all the right things that they should be doing, uh, and um, or unexplained illnesses in people who just shouldn't be unwell. So like a 30-year-old with arthritis or uh, crippling anxiety when life is actually pretty good. Uh, um, strange heartbeats when there isn't anything wrong with their heart that any cardiologist can see, um, twitching and tremoring, uh, electric shocks um, in excess, uh, and uh, a metallic tongue taste when uh, you have ruled out um, zinc issues. So these are some of the things that might just let you know that that person might have uh, an issue with mould exposure. I thank you for listening. I thank you for sharing this with your friends and family, anyone who is inexplicably unwell, and uh, look forward to having you jump into the show notes, gather some of the extra resources we've popped there for you and making this an issue 
front of mind for everybody, whether you're a uh, renter or an owner, let's all work together to create healthier homes and healthier people as a result. Thanks, guys. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at LotoxLife, or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at LotoxLife. Uh, and of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27 and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.